good morning. My name is Nate, one of the pastors here. Good to see you all. Thanks for being here today. Those of you online joining in. Uh, I'm going to start with another announcement because there's one more thing we wanted to highlight for you today. Uh, two weeks from yesterday, we are going to have a uh, marriage night, April 29th. Uh, we're going to gather together those who uh, may be married in the room, those who are online might be married, want to join in uh, Saturday night, April 29th from 4 to 7 p.m. We're doing it a little bit earlier in the evening on purpose so that if you've got little kids in your life, uh, there's child care provided and you can still get home in time to tuck them into bed and all that good stuff. Uh, Doug Burford, who goes to church here, is a, a counselor, a former pastor. He's trained in the Gottman Institute's work around uh, marriage relationships, and he's got some great uh, principles of how to grow in your relationship with one another. So I want to encourage you to consider joining us for uh, that marriage night. Angie and I will be there, and uh, we, we try to take time about every year, maybe every two years, to uh, spend additional time, like a seminar, a workshop, maybe a weekend uh, retreat about marriage to grow in our relationship for, with one another. And I want to encourage you to do that. You can find information on the website, sign up there, talk with me, talk to uh, Nate Severson, we'll help make that connection with you. Uh, one of the other ways that Angela and I uh, invest in our relationship together, we have kind of a weekly rhythm of getting a, a day where we can uh, spend uh, time together. Now, that's always, not always been the case uh, when the kids were younger, it was harder to find time. We had one evening a week that we could usually find a date night. But now it's like we've got one kid at home and we actually get a whole Friday together, uh, which has been wonderful. So two days ago, we were up north at Parkville. We went for a little trail hike on Whitetail Trail. I don't know if you guys have been up there to Parkville, but it's awesome. And the colors were beautiful. And, um, you know, we um, in Colorado, we're from Colorado. In Colorado, there's like green and yellow. Those are your choices when it comes to color. And so we've enjoyed the pinks and the whites and the reds and, uh, and all the trees that are blooming right now. Uh, we enjoy walking together. Angela really likes processing also through art. She'll uh, pull out magazines and, and cut out pictures and make collages. She'll paint with watercolor. She'll use markers, just different ways she processes what's going on in her life. I'm not wired up quite the same way. I, I like getting out on the trail or on my bike, and I'll put music in my earphones, uh, my headphones, and I'll just start um, listening to music and having some time alone. That's really what I enjoy to do to refresh and restore. Um, we're kind of different that way, but you guys know I mean, it's good to have differences. It's good to be different from other people, that we can encourage one another and challenge each other. And we're going to talk this morning a little bit about something that makes us each different, and that's our, our spiritual pathways, the ways that we connect with God, the ways that we grow in our faith with God. Uh, there's a writer, author named John Ortberg who writes about these spiritual pathways. Here's how he defines a spiritual pathway. Uh, a spiritual pathway is the way we most naturally connect with God and grow spiritually. So it's kind of a, a, an internal wiring that we have that helps us experience God's presence in different ways. Now, we know there's, there's one way to, to fall into relationship with our Father God. There's one avenue for forgiveness and restoration with God, and that's through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Very exclusive claim that Jesus made. There's one way to know our Father God. Uh, but we experience his presence and his movement in our lives in a lot of different ways. Uh, that forgiveness comes through Christ, but then we experience God in powerful ways all around us. And so this morning, I want to take a few minutes to talk about uh, six of these spiritual pathways. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be uh, introduced to different people in our church community that have um, been walking with God, experiencing God in different ways, and uh, we're going to learn from 
uh, what God has been doing in their lives. And these pathways are one way to think about how each of us engages with God differently and how we can encourage one another in those differences. So uh, I want you to lean in with me. Um, we're going to kind of go through this pretty quickly. We're going to kind of scurry through these pathways. Uh, there's, I want to have another friend come up and share with you as well this morning. So uh, join me in this little journey real quick. So the first pathway is the intellectual pathway. Intellectual pathway. If, if this is your primary way of connecting with God, it means that you enjoy engaging your, your mind and uh, online research and reading books and, and really digging into a thoughtful way of approaching your faith. Uh, those with the intellectual pathway often approach their faith analytically and practically. Uh, they might walk into church like uh, this morning. You might come in 20 minutes late because all the singing's done and you can get to the real good stuff, uh, the analytical stuff, the content of speaking. Uh, that might be kind of your wiring when it comes to how you engage with God. When I think about a biblical example of this pathway, I think about Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote many of the letters in the, the second half of the Bible. Uh, he was trained under the, the leading rabbi in his era. Uh, he was very a thoughtful approach to his faith. Uh, he loved to sit with people and, and kind of debate and push and pull about what it means to follow Jesus. He enjoyed those kinds of conversations. So if this is your pathway, uh, you need to make time to study and to read, create space in your schedule for that. Maybe even take an online class through a seminary, you know, just to stretch yourself in some new ways. And I would encourage you, if this is your primary pathway, um, to remember that what, what you think about, what's in your head, needs to make its way down into your heart and actually transform how you live and how you serve others, how you love those around you. Uh, sometimes we can get confused and think that if I'm smart, that means I'm spiritually mature. But Jesus was very clear that it's not about how much you know, it's how you express his love that shows your maturity. So anything that we have in our, our minds needs to transform how we treat others and live in this world. A second pathway is a relational pathway. This is how you connect with God. You, you connect through uh, other people's stories as you sit with them and, and hear what God's doing in their life. It helps uh, encourage your faith and challenge your faith. Significant relationships like a good friend or a small group of believers or even a, a spouse can help you feel closer to God. Uh, you find yourself opening up easy to other people, and sometimes you're kind of surprised that others don't open up in the same way. They seem a little reserved, and it doesn't make sense to you. Why can't you talk about these, these, these things easily? Peter's a good example of this in the Bible with this pathway. Uh, we see him coming to Jesus often with those around his friends, his co-workers, James and John, or often the three of them kind of seem to hover around Jesus together when you read the stories of Jesus. Uh, Peter shows up with others alongside him. Seems to be one of his real connection points. So if this is your pathway, I uh, just want to encourage you to stay connected in, in group life. Uh, serve with other people, join a ministry team, get in a, a small group. Uh, get to know your neighbors, like lean into connections with others. Uh, one, one caution I might have for you is, is to not settle for uh, surface kind of relationships. If you're an, in a, a relational pathway person, sometimes you might think, well, the more people I know, the better, right? It's all about networking and, and getting more and more people that you know. And uh, like they say, it can be easy to be um, an, a, a mile wide and an inch deep. And so I want to encourage you to find two or three people that you really trust, that you can get deep with. You can actually talk about what's going on in your real life, life, the things you might hold back from others. You need to have some depth of relationship as well. Uh, a third pathway is the serving pathway. Uh, you know, we're all called to serve, but for this person, uh, when they're serving, they just have a real sense of God working through them, God in them uh, being used 
in the world around them, and it really draws them close to God, helps them feel his presence when they're serving. Um, They do it consistently and and constantly. So I think about Tabitha, a follower of Jesus from Joppa that we read about in the book of Acts, and uh, her friends and neighbors talked about all the good things she would do in the neighborhood, how she would help others, how she was always there uh, when you needed her, and that's that serving pathway person. Uh, if this is how you grow, then I want to encourage you to get plugged into places where you can serve, places that is making a difference in the lives of others. Uh, when you're not serving, you might even feel distant from God because you haven't had those kinds of moments of him working through you. So it's important that you find avenues to serve. And before you, you serve, take time and invite God into those moments. Say, Father, this is my time of worship with you. Would you use me? Would you work through me in a, in a powerful way? Um, one of the things I want you to remember is is that when you're serving, sometimes we can get uh, tripped up a little bit and think like, when I serve, when I'm doing things, then God loves me more because I'm doing the things that he wants me to do. And it's good to remember that God, God loves you just as you are, as his son, as his daughter, as adopted into his family. He loves you because of who you are, not because of what you can do. And so we, we serve out of that position, that understanding of who we are as a child of God. Uh, fourth pathway is the worship pathway. If this is uh, your primary connection to God, then you would love it right now if I would sit down and we had the band come back up and sing some more songs with you. Um, we know worship is more than just singing songs, but this is one of the primary ways that we experience worship, God's presence. We, you don't necessarily have to be dancing in the aisles, but when you're singing songs, there's just something about those moments when you feel like God is close, that he is speaking through the music. Uh, King David in the Old Testament is an example of someone with that worship pathway. We read about David dancing before God in worship. We know that he wrote songs of praise to God. Uh, He was a musician, uh, a worship leader, and it's definitely how he was wired up. Uh, Worship people continue to enjoy singing songs and and the feelings that come in in worship. Uh, You know, turn your your car into a sanctuary and put on some some great worship music there. Allow that worship to move you uh, to serving others, to expressing love to others. Uh, Allow that joy that that builds up inside of you in worship to to come out and be a blessing to those around you, Uh, relationships that are built on truth and trust. Uh, A couple more here, the fifth one, contemplative pathway. So let me ask you a question around this one. Uh, Is the person sitting next to you a little too close to you right now? Could you you use a little bit more of a bubble? Uh, You might be a contemplative person if if you enjoy times alone, times of, of quiet, Uh, times when you have some space in your lives. Um, If you love that, then that might be the pathway for you. When you're alone, when you have those moments of stillness, God just speaks in a a powerful way. You hear his voice in ways that you don't really hear it when there's a lot of noise around you. Uh, Solitude fills you up, and uh, people might be more of a drain for you. So I think about Mary, uh, uh, one of Jesus's good friends, we read about her story in Luke 10, and there was a time when she, the, the house was busy with activities, but Mary chose, it says this, it says that Mary sat at, Jesus, at the Lord's feet listening to what Jesus said. She just wanted to sit and hear what, what Jesus wanted to say to her and not get caught up in all the busyness around her. So if you're a contemplative, you need to know that you have permission to, to step back from the busyness of life. You have permission to create spaces where you can be alone. Uh, there's a lot of pressure in our world today to be busy, to be social. Sometimes we um, kind of rank ourselves by how many likes we have. And uh, contemplative people, it's, it's good to be alone, to step back, uh, to create spaces where you can have some quiet. So I want to encourage you to do that. Make time to listen for what God is saying to you. And as you experience those leadings from the Holy Spirit, 
and, the, and what God fills you with, make sure that you come alongside someone else, that you might encourage them with what God has given to you. A lot of times when you have those times alone, you might hear the Lord bringing someone to mind, someone to reach out to, someone to pray for, and so respond to those leadings. Let, let that time alone bring you back into connection with others, and um, that, that could be a good thing. Last one here, final one, uh, the creation pathway. This is someone who responds to, to God through creation. They see his work outside. It just replenishes you. Book of Romans talks about how the natural world, the created world, reveals God to us. And if you're a, a creation pathway person, that's really how you sense it. You see him moving around you in the rivers and the sunsets and even in the thunderstorms. Um, that was on purpose. Good job. Uh, so, so lean into that. I think about King Solomon in the Old Testament. He's a great example uh, of someone who experienced God in creation. The book of Proverbs, we see over and over again, uh, Solomon writing about how God is revealed through creation in the book of Proverbs, how wisdom is there for us. So, so let's lean into that. If you want to build on this pathway, you need to plan time outside just to get outdoors and take notice of God's handiwork. Look for ways to bring that beauty inside with you. Maybe not the wild animals so much, but... Uh, you know, a candle that smells like a pine tree or pictures on the wall that remind you of creation. Uh, bring those in with you. And I think I want to encourage you just to be patient with those of us who like air conditioning. All right? Just have some grace for us. Um, creation will, will seldom let you down. If you can get out there, it often hits you right where you need to be, but people are going to let you down. So I want to encourage you. That could be me popping. Sorry. Uh, I just want to encourage you to, to uh, have grace for, for the people in your life that, that don't always match up to the great experiences you can have in the natural world. And uh, we, we need each other. You need people. So don't uh, you know, continue to uh, be in relationship with others. So there's six pathways there on the screen. Uh, two or three of them might really jump out to you as ones that kind of you say, yeah, that's how I feel like God's with me. I feel his presence in those moments. There might be one or two that you're like, that's not so much me, and it's, it's good to think about that. How, how do you experience God, and, and how do you, can you create spaces for that to happen? There's an online uh, assessment you can do, online inventory, and out in the lobby, there's some posters with QR codes where you can take about 10 or 15 minutes and, and go through that assessment. The QR code will be on the screen here as well. If you want to lean into this a little bit more and uh, do some more work on it, you can check that out, that online tool. And uh, it actually has, I think, nine different pathways that instead of just six that you can, can look at. Uh, I want to invite Eric to come up at this time. Eric is one of the missionaries that we support, and uh, he's here with us this morning, traveled in, on, landed Friday night real late, from what I understand, and uh, yet he's still walking around. Pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, just, just. Yeah. Er Eric uh, helps get small church communities established in Belgium and, and speaks to leaders around the world, and we're just really glad that he's Thank here you. this morning, and, and we've been uh, supporting you for yes. a little while. Yeah, quite a few years. Uh, when we're done with this service, Eric's got a table out in the lobby. I want to encourage you to stop by, and you just, just finished up a book. Well, I mean, it just came out in English. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Because you just originally yesterday. wrote it. Yeah. And you originally wrote it in what? Uh, French, in French and Dutch. Of course, Dutch. There's many fluent Dutch speakers yeah. <laughs> here in the room, I'm sure. Um, but Eric's here this morning with us, and he's going to share some more uh, around this idea of these pathways and, and being aware. But I just want to start with a question yeah. for you, Eric. So what, which one of these pathways kind of jumps out for you? Well, uh, I can point the ones that don't jump out to me. <laughs> uh -huh. Contemplative, uh, surely not. <laughs> I, I, I often relate to Paul, the Apostle Paul, 
humbly. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, but not only in that more reflective side of him, trying to understand the Word of God and its meaning for us, but also to act, uh, act accordingly. So I would, I would be like a reflective activist. Ah, okay. <laughs> we need to add that to the list, number yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so as you're serving overseas in Europe and working with churches there, what are some of the differences you're seeing mm. uh, between the community of faith and, and, and Belgium or in Europe and, and the American culture? Well, uh, churches may be, at, at one hand, very similar and very different. Different in the sense that we have a lot less Christians in Europe, especially in the post-Catholic countries like Belgium or the Netherlands or France or Italy, Spain. Uh, but the way churches lived is, is pretty similar. And now the, the culture around us is very different. Uh, especially in our countries, like Belgium or France or the Netherlands, post-Catholic countries, uh, people are a lot more private. So they wouldn't talk about some issues like politics and religions. Religion and politics, you don't talk about this. So these spiritual pathways, very interesting. Uh, people would hide it. <laughs> they would have their own ways of dealing with spirituality or, or, or Christianity, but they wouldn't tell it. Uh, they wouldn't say nothing about it. They would keep it from themselves. So even my neighbors, I, I've been living in that house for 15 years. I don't really know. I surely don't know what they vote for. Here it's easy to know. <laughs> Just look at the yard in front and the flags. <laughs> Signs, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. And, and even their spiritual pathway, I have an idea about their belief, but how they deal with it, their pathway, I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. Very private. Yeah. Well, Eric, we're glad you're here. I'm going <laughs> to let you go ahead and take us uh, forward. Okay. Thank yeah. you very much, <laughs> Nate. Thank you. It's, it's really a pleasure for me to be here. Feel free to come and meet me at the table. So I have that attractive thing called Belgian chocolates on the table. So please feel free, and there's also a sign-up sheet if you want to know more. Thank you for those who are receiving our, our regular newsletters and praying for us. Thank you for this support and care we have from this wonderful church here. Uh, spiritual pathways are very personal. They're actually natural. This is how God wired us, each of us. <laughs> We're all different. We all have a kind of a... A mix of these, I believe. Uh, maybe you're more of one, but still a little bit of another one. <laughs> We're all different. This is how God made us. These pathways are not related to our salvation process. They are related to us as humans, human beings. <laughs> and I like that called spiritual pathways and not Christian pathways. <laughs> of course, the way as, as believers in Jesus we live, live out these pathways are directly related to Jesus, of course. <laughs> But they're spiritual pathways. And I like this because it, it makes us realize that our neighbors, those who don't know Jesus, also are on a spiritual pathway. <laughs> Just not with Jesus or not with Jesus yet. <laughs> but they are on the spiritual pathway. And, and you could see this if you know some of your neighbors or maybe family, maybe children, your children. They're also on a spiritual pathway. And it's not about age. It's just about being human. <laughs> spiritual pathways, they're not only personal things. So it's good to know who I am, to understand how I function, and as Nietzsche did very well, to put things in place in my life in order to take benefit of this. 
But spiritual pathways, of course, have a, a direct relational impact. Those who are married, they know we're not the same, right? <laughs> and, 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 and as married, we know we better know that we're not the same. <laughs> and we better know how not only who, uh, how I am wired, but how my spouse is wired. <laughs> and the better I know this, the better our relationship will be. <laughs> and it's the same for character and personality. It's the same for spiritual gifts. It's the same for spiritual pathways. The more I know how I journey with Jesus in my spiritual life, and the more I also know others, like in church, for example, <laughs> the better we can relate to each other because we're different. We learn to well, cope with one another. With one another. <laughs> we, we learn patience <laughs> for those who love one more song and worship. <laughs> one more, and then, and, and then again one more. <laughs> we, we learn patience for those uh, for whom the preaching is never long enough. <laughs> you know, because we're different. We have different pathways. <laughs> and we learn to live together. But as I said, pathways are spiritual, so not only for us Christian believers in Jesus, but also for the people out there, the, what, the ones Paul called outsiders, so those of outside of the Christian faith. They also are in a spiritual journey, on a spiritual pathway, and they have their own way of dealing with it. And if we take seriously <laughs> the calling of Jesus to go and make disciples, we really should pay attention to this. <laughs> to the way they are journeying spiritually. And I love, I love to relate to Paul for many reasons. But one of them, one of the main ones, is because he was so sensitive to that. that if you would open your, your Bibles with me or your phone or whatever you, you, you use to read the Bible text and the epistle of Paul to Colossians in chapter 4. There, uh, from verse 2 to 6, Colossians 4, 2 to 6, you will see uh, first the first uh, two, three verses, 2 to, to 4, Paul asked the Colossian, Colossians to pray for him. And then 5 and 6, he, he gives them a kind of an exhortation. And you will see that they are parallel. What he's asking them to pray for him is very similar to what he's advising them to do. <laughs> But you will, you will see what I mean. Let, let's go. I'm reading in the NIV version. Colossians 4, starting verse 2. First, there's a kind of a generic verse. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Just to make it short, prayer is important. And then he goes to this first two verses asking prayer for himself. Verse 3. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Okay, prayer for him. I'll go back to this, but I want to look at these last two verses where he is kind of advising the Colossians, and you will see the connection coming. You, so verse 5, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. 
Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul is really writing about spiritual pathways. Verse 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Well, it's not literally the way you act. Some versions, maybe your version is the way you live. But literally in Greek is the way you walk. Well, in, in the original text, living is often uh, written in walking. <laughs> it's often walking. So it's literally walk. Be wise in the way you walk. So we are talking pathways. <laughs> literally. So first he said, be wise. Okay, wisdom. Huh, wisdom. Well, to make it simple, wisdom is, you know, wisdom is not about knowledge. Wisdom is about, in the whole Bible, from the Old Testament and, and, and then King Solomon already, wisdom is about the ability to make the right choice at the right time. Life is full of challenges and choices. What choice should we make? That's wisdom. Wisdom is the practical ability to make the right choice at the right moment. And because us humans, we know nothing about life and where everything is going, but God does, we need His wisdom. We need His advice to help us. And He made us. He knows how we are wired. So we need His insight to help us to be wise, make the right choices about life, jobs, uh, love, emotions, about everything. And here Paul uses that. Be wise. So think carefully. Depend on God to help you find the right choice in the way you walk. And then comes towards outsiders. So outsiders, I think it's pretty clear. We talk about people out of the, the family of Christ. People who don't know really, people who, who don't follow Jesus yet. Maybe they don't, maybe they know him, maybe not, but they're not in a Christian pathway. And Paul advises the Colossians and us, I believe, to think carefully how we walk towards them. Okay, towards mean, means from my position to their position. Or from my pathway to their pathway. I've seen too many times evangelism being done the exact opposite way. We tend to bring people from outside to our way of doing, to our pathways. For example, if we are like ap apologets, you know, people who like to defend faith. So we bring people from out into our argumentation about, you know, creation, creation versus evolution, or about the resurrection of Christ, you know, and, and we argue. But maybe these people are contemplative people. Contemplative people don't care for arguments. They say, yeah, and so what? Where do I feel it? You know, so, but we still tend to... <laughs> to do this process, bring them out there or bring someone to church. We have such a great worship. You can feel the presence of God. And at the opposite, they may be reflective people. 
and think, I don't feel nothing. And actually, I'm, I'm bored. You're bored, but don't you, feel, don't you feel God? No. You know, and we tend to organize gatherings, and for me it's even worse because most of the time we organize a gathering, like a gospel gathering, was one way to present Jesus to everybody, and we don't really... When I say we, I mean in Belgium, right? So I always say this here, so you feel at ease, you're not concerned. <sighs> because I've been doing this for so many years, and I must confess one thing, I did not care for the people's pathways. I was so convinced of my pathway. Paul is asking us, be wise. So when I relate to my neighbor, I should not think about the way I would like the gospel to be presented to me. <laughs> and in our situations, it's complicated because we have such a high level of privacy. So I need time in relationship to get to know the person. And they get to know me and they open up and I kind of, oh, I see he's more contemplative guy. But it can take months and years to get to this. But this is what we are called to, <laughs> to discover the pathway of the other. So that, following that, uh, make the most of every opportunity. So who is bringing up the opportunity? Who? God. We should make the most of it, but we are not there to push the opportunity. And there, you see the parallel with the prayer that Paul is asking for himself just a couple verses earlier. <laughs> Pray for us, too, that God may open a door. <laughs> you think of Paul. Oh, come on, Paul, the evangelist, the church planter. He goes in any place and he pushes the door open, right? No. He is so much aware that there's no point to push any door open by, by ourselves, by himself, that he asked, please, he begged the people, pray that God will open a door so that we may speak. And so take, make the best of every opportunity, but don't, don't push the opportunity, but seize it. So if I walk towards the outsider in, in there, in his, in her pathway, I'm there in their life ready for God's opportunity, God's open door. And then I can seize the opportunity. And seizing the opportunity doesn't mean go and preach the gospel. It just means take the occasion. Don't miss it. And then, so how do we take the occasion? How do we take the opportunity? Then we go on. Let, verse 6, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone. A few key words there. <laughs> A few key words. Uh, conversation, so, uh, the, the, the Greek word is lo logos, so there's something to be said. It's not uh, like keruso, like preaching, uh -uh. proclamation, no, it's just speak. So, of course, you speak to people, so now what should we say? And this is also interesting to look a little bit earlier when Paul asked, so that God would open the door, and then he asked, uh -uh, verse 4, pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Would you imagine Paul asking for prayer that he may proclaim the gospel clearly? I mean, we're in bad shape. If Paul asks, I mean, if someone knows how to proclaim the gospel clearly, it must be Paul, right? I mean, you know, he's the champion. 
He's the evangelism champion, <laughs> world history champion. And he's still asking that he would be able to proclaim it clearly because he knows that every door God opens is different. And every opportunity is different and requires a different way <laughs> to speak Jesus because everybody is on a different spiritual pathway. <laughs> And so, Bahakis, let your conversation, so the way you speak, so grace, well, the other always need grace, because the other one is always different from me. <laughs> and if they don't know Jesus, probably they're still in their sins, right? And sinners sin. There's nothing special there. <laughs> sinners sin. <laughs> and they should not look like us, be like us Christians before to hear about Jesus. <laughs> So we should, we should have grace and salt. <clears throat> there should be that little, you know, touch, a spicy touch. Yesterday I had spicy almonds. You know that, ooh, <laughs> there's something, <laughs> something that spice added to it. And, and so what is the thing we add that no one else but us Christians have? I think it's the touch of the love of Jesus on our lives and in our speech. <laughs> we are able to have words of love like no one else can because it's beyond ourselves. It's about the love that God is pouring on our life by the Holy Spirit he's, he's given us. And that gives us the ability to speak words of love of Jesus. And that gives that spice <laughs> in our conversation. And finally... What kind of conversation is it? Look at the end of this final verse 6. What kind of conversation? So that you may be able to answer everyone. Or literally each person. So once again, it's about everybody has a different question. So when the door opens, often the door opens the sign. I'll give you a trick here. The sign of an open door is a question from someone about life, about God, about, you know. Often the sign is a question because we are supposed not to preach. What are we supposed to do in this text? Answer. And answer comes second. Questions come first, always. And that's one of the signs for me of a real open door. There's a question. <laughs> And what we are called to is answer each question. <laughs> because each question will be different because it comes from a different pathway. So it's up to us to, and we need the same prayer as Paul is asking for himself. God, help me to know how to answer in each different situation. So, pathways. I hope you can discern your own pathways, but also that you may take time as you walk wisely towards the outsider to discern their pathways and be waiting on their pathways for God to open an opportunity and be ready to answer their question in their pathways and journey with them uh, towards Jesus. There's so much more to share about that text, so much more. I, I really encourage you to go back home and read it again. 
pray God and, 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 and read it again and let God that have the seed of his word bear fruits in your life uh, so that others may know who Jesus is. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we're thankful, thankful for your word, the Bible, that you speak to us today through your Holy Spirit. Help us to live wisely, to walk wisely towards the outsiders. Help us to discern the open doors, wait for them, and then take the challenge, seize them, and be ready to answer with humility, love, grace, with the love of Jesus. Thank you because you are using us. You're using us to reach out to the lost. You're using us. You are journeying with us in our own pathways. And you are using us to journey in the, our neighbor's pathways. Thank you and help us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So thankful we could be together this morning, that we could sing those songs. I think someone here needed that reminder that you might feel surrounded, but you are not, that God is with you and providing a way through. Before we send you out this morning, we just want to say thanks to, uh, to Lisa Osborne. She's been leading with our elementary school kids for over four years, and this is her final Sunday with us. And so Lisa is here with the kids. Would you guys come up front here? And uh, we just want to pray with Lisa and Larry as she finishes up in this role and um, send them out. There's a, a frame out in the lobby where you can sign your name just as part of a church community saying thank you to Lisa for discipling and loving our, our children and lifting them up. And so would you just extend your hand towards uh, Larry and Lisa up here and uh, let's, let's pray together for them. Father God, we're so thankful for your, uh, your beauty, your, your grace, your power shining through Lisa in these years she's been leading with us. Thank you for the ways that she walks with these children and helps them to see the stories of scripture and how they point to you, Father, your love and your, your calling in each one of their lives. So we just pray for Larry, we pray for Lisa as they move into a new season, a new calling that you have for them, Lord. Would you guide them? Would you encourage them? Would you strengthen them? Father, we thank you for placing them here and for all the things that you have done through them into the lives of our families here at Hillcrest. We're thankful, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again so much for being here as you go. Uh, remember, you are walking with God in this journey. He has got you. Jesus is leading the way. So go and shine that light and that love to others, and we'll see you again next Sunday. Go with God. Amen.